God is calling me, you know. So no matter what I was doing. And then if that didn't work, then dad would just be like, and I'd have to come sit on the pulpit. Look like a fool in front of everybody. All right. My jokes today. Uh, people are writing them down for me and giving them to me. That's how bad it is. They're like, you're not funny, Pastor. Here's some rude. Uh, I accidentally drank some invisible ink. Now I'm at the hospital waiting to be seen. What do you call uh, Batman that skips church? Christian Bale. I got a chuckle out of my wife. I should quit right now. That's it. My wife laughed at my jokes. <laughs> she never laughs at my jokes. I got fired from the bank today. A lady asked me to check her balance, so I pushed her. Colossians chapter 3. I laugh at all my jokes. I think they're hilarious. Colossians chapter 3. All right. Wives, submit to your own husband as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. I don't want to repeat those at first two, but this one's pretty good to repeat. Kids, listen up. Children, obey your parents in all things. Where's my kids? Both of them are downstairs teaching, of course. Great. Never mind. All right. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Tomorrow is what? Labor Day. And I read that including your commute time, the average American works about 50 hours a week. What studies actually show is that the percentage of people working longer hours has grown significantly over the past 10 years. But at the same time, uh, those working less hours have grown. So those of us that are working hard are working more, and those that are not are working less. Kind of sad. Tells us a lot about what's going on in our society right now. The fact that most of us are spending most of our waking hours working at our jobs. Anyone feel like you're always at work? We're a working society, or at least we used to be. Our culture places great emphasis on our employment. One of the first questions that you find out about someone is, what kind of work do you do? And I saw in this nursing home, there was a sign on each resident's door that gave the person's name and their former occupation, like Jane Smith, teacher. We're identified as what we do or what we've done. Even though we are a society that values employment and the opportunity to pursue the career of our choice, most people are unhappy with their jobs. Studies show that the most people will not only change jobs, but will change their careers. I found this amazing. I looked it up. 
between 15 or 10 and 15 times in their lifetime. The average person will change their careers between 10 and 15 times in their lifetime. Anyone know anyone that went to college as a freshman and changed multiple careers in their college years? Just in four years. Happens all the time. I read one study this week that uh, was startling. It suggested that most Americans were not only unhappy in their work, but 80% of working Americans felt that they presently occupying a job that was wrong for them, completely wrong for them. With statistics like this, it is safe to assume that many of us are discontent with our jobs. We're not as happy with what we are doing as we feel we should be. Now, does the Bible give us any guidance for this? I believe it does. First of all, in order for us to be really happy and enjoy our jobs, we need to realize that our work matters to God. Not our jobs, but our work matters to God. Sometimes we convince ourselves that God only cares about the spiritual things. He only cares, you know, about are you saved and our moral aspects of our lives. Do we pray? Do we avoid sin? But he really does care about your work. In fact, the Bible goes to great lengths to show us that God understands what it means to work. In Genesis 2, 2, it says, On the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. God's an example of work. And perhaps the greatest compliment God made was sending Jesus down to work with his hands. Jesus was a carpenter and he knew how to work. He knew how to labor. Our work does matter to God and he understands the pressures that we face. The second thing is, if we really want to enjoy our work and feel content, we must keep our priorities straight. I think that's a big problem in America. We don't have our priorities straight. I realize there are employers that want to believe that the job is number one. I had, I worked, I won't even say where, but it was a part-time job, but they wanted it to be like my career. And I'm like, you pay me like a career? You pay, you know, give me the hours like a career, I'll spend more time but I'm not turning a part-time job into my career. But employers want to do that, but that's not our priority. As Christians, our priority should be God first and our family before our work. A lot of times we mix those up. We put our jobs before God. We put our jobs before family. That's not the way it's meant to be. Money is important. The bills have to be paid, but at some point we have to trust God. Friends, money, or things cannot bring our happiness. Work is important, but it's not everything. It's not the most important thing. A survey of 307th and 8th grade boys showed some tragic facts. The boys were to keep an accurate records of how much time they spent with their fathers uh, over this two-week period, they were to write down 
all the times they spent with their father. Most saw their father only at the dinner table. Now think how many times you actually eat at the dinner table with your family. Not very often. The average time fathers and sons were alone together during this two-week period was seven and a half minutes. Where's our priorities? That's not the way God wanted it to be. Can you imagine if our Father, our Heavenly Father, chose to not spend time with us, put us on the back burner? We're to be an example. God sets the example for us and we're supposed to emulate that. Those of us in the helping professions are not immune to it. Dr. Bob Pierce, which founded World Vision, which is a great organization. He was a worldwide evangelist and missionary. He spent much of his life founding orphanages in Korea, rescuing children from death and starvation. He tells of an incident uh, that one Christmas Eve, he was in Stockholm traveling with the Korean children's choir. He made a call home and was talking to his family members, wishing them a Merry Christmas. And he finally got down to his youngest child on the phone and his daughter said, Oh, Daddy, I wish I was an orphan so that I could be with you on Christmas Eve. Do we have our priorities in order? We must constantly remind ourselves that God is first, but our family, which, by the way, in our family, our spouse needs to be before our children. A lot of times we put our children before our spouse and that's why our divorce rate is so high. We have to keep this relationship first. And when we, when we put our priorities in order, when we put God in and we put our spouse before our children, then our children will see the example of Christ and our whole house will be godly. When we put our uh, priorities in the wrong order when we put our children before our spouse our marriage that's when problems happen when we put children uh, ahead of everything we've had um, women's events and i've been to them across it doesn't matter what church it is if you ask a woman what's your priorities nine times out of ten they're going to say their children and everyone looks and goes, oh, that's so great, but it's wrong. That is wrong. God put us together, and we have to make this a priority. We have to have this strong foundation, because if the home is not on a solid, godly foundation, it's not going to work. It's not going to last. We have to do it the right way and God's way doesn't matter what the world tells us. God, the world does not want us to succeed because the world is Satan. And Satan does not want you to succeed. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy your marriage, your home, your family. Keep you in turmoil. It's so sad. It used to be that the divorces were outside of the church. But it's not. It's made it into us. And I'm not saying that every divorce is, is, a, is a fault of 
anybody or anything. I'm not, it's not about that. What I'm saying is we have to keep our priorities straight. And when we keep God first and let him worry, well, I've got to take care of my kids. No, we have to trust God with our kids. Do you hear me? When we, when we worry about our money or we worry about our spouse or we worry about our children, I, a lot of times, Pastor, can you pray for my husband? No, I'll pray for you. You worry about you and let God worry about her or him. The problem is we're so busy trying to fix other situations instead of letting God do it. In order to free ourselves to enjoy work, the first one was realize that work does matter to God. Second, keep our priorities straight. And lastly, remember that our job is not our vocation. Paul was a tent maker. He spent many hours every day making tents in order to make money to meet his daily needs. But I, I believe if we were to somehow go back in time and ask Paul, what do you think he would say when we asked him, Paul, what do you do? I'm a tent maker. I spend 40, 50 hours a week making tents. And on the side, I do a little preaching and small group work. I don't think he would say that, do you? I don't think he identified himself as a tent maker. Jesus didn't identify himself as a carpenter. He was on a mission for Christ or for God. And Paul was on a mission for Christ. It wasn't about his job. We did that to make money so we can do what we're supposed to do. Our vocation is winning souls for Christ. We've talked a lot about studies this morning, and I've got another one. Studies indicate that the number one need in a job is not money or the prestige. It's in the need to feel that we're doing something worthwhile and we make a difference. Now, let me say that study was a few years ago. I think today it might be a little different. We have a greedy society. Everyone thinks that they should make more money. We want to do less for more money. It's not the way God intended it. You, you read through the, uh, through the Bible. God wants us to do everything with pride. Volunteers have decreased every year. And I, I read a study that, that shows why. Can you guess which generation volunteers the most? We've got the baby boomers. How many are baby boomers 58 to 76? Raise your hand. Okay. They're number one when volunteering. Who's generation X? 57 to 42. What, what? All right. Wow. We got a young... Young church, let me tell you. We're number two in volunteering. Uh, where is uh, Generation Z? Who's 25 to 10 years old? 10 years old up to 25. Raise your hand. Okay, you're third. Okay, you know who's dead last? Millennials or Generation Y, 41 to 26. They, they volunteer 2%. 2% of them. It's a greedy generation that we've, we've created. It's all about us. 
That's not what we're supposed to do. The calling of Christ is to serve others. The problem with, the, with, with this statistic is baby boomers and Generation X are dying. So we're relying on the millennials and the younger ones to volunteer and get stuff done. And they're greedy and it's all about me and I, what's in it for me? I've literally heard people, I've asked them, you know, about volunteering and they said, well, what's in it for me? What do I get? Do we not understand what the word volunteer means? What you get is I don't, I'm not going to slap you in the head. I mean, that's what you get. Volunteering is giving to others without anything in return. We're about doing for others, serving others, loving others, caring about others. That's our vocation. Our job is just a way to be able to do that. When we make this a priority, it's wrong. Remember, God, okay, work way down here. Our society has this first. Make the most money that you can. What can make me money? I'll tell you, in our life, one, one year, I put it as a priority, making money. We went out of the ministry. I said, I need a break. Ministry, for those of you that have, have no idea, it is a tough, tough job. It's draining. Spiritually, emotionally, physically draining. That's why, you know, more, pe more pastors are leaving than are coming in. So I took a break from it for a year and I was like, I'm just done. I'm going to go in the world. I know I can make money and I made great money, but I almost got divorced in that time frame. Didn't I was, I was probably worse than that seven and a half minutes with my kids. My priority was wrong. I can make money. That's not a problem, but I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. We've chosen to make the money to live, enough to live, and let God handle the rest. God has blessed us more than, and honestly, during that year, I came out of that year and I was making amazing money. It's gonna, it would take both of us working right now several years to come up with that one year of me. But I have nothing to show for that year. I was no better off that year. Because it was me handling the money. It was me taking care of it instead of God. God takes my much less money now, and I'm just as blessed as I was then. How does that work? Because my priorities are correct. My priorities were incorrect. And I paid the price. When we refocus ourselves to see our vocation is sharing Christ through whatever we do, then we make a difference. We're obedient to Christ. There once was a, a religious man that lived in Scotland. He taught Sunday school and preached outdoor meetings and served the church in many ways. And he was a baker by trade. One day on a train, he was confronted by a lady and she asked, are you a Christian? He replied, yes. And she asked him what he did for the master. And he said, I'm a baker. 
Johann Bach wrote many beautiful pieces of music. At the top of every one, he wrote the words, to the glory of God. This should be the prayer that we go to work every day is to the glory of God. Everything we do, whether we're a baker or a composer or we mow lawns or whatever we do, it doesn't matter what our career is. We're supposed to be doing it to God. With everything we do, glory to God. Does everyone look at you in your job and say they're an example of Christ? I see something different about them. They work harder. They get along with people. They're not negative. We should be that example everywhere in everything that we do. When we work, we need to be working hard, not going, you're only paying me till right now. I'm done. I'm done. We're worried about that instead of a good job. We need to be proud. We want to make God proud of what we do, not the bare minimum. One day, a young priest complained to Mother Teresa about Mother Teresa about all the demands being put upon him and how it was taken away from his abilities to serve the poor. She responded, your, your vocation is not to serve the poor. Your vocation is to love God. When we do everything with that in mind, it's better. As a spokesperson for Jesus, I'd say to the youth and the children, when you think about a career, do not let your first question be, how much money can I make? Or how important will I be in society? But instead, we need to ask, how can I share Christ in what I do? God, put me in the position that you want me to be. Is this the career or the job that you want me to be in? And then when we get there, do it with all our might. In verse 23 that we read in the beginning, it says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to man, <clears throat> knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance and you serve the Lord Christ. So we're not doing it for man. We're doing it for God. We're not doing it for ourselves. We're doing it for God because he said, when you do it right, when your priorities are right and you give it 100% like Christ would, he will reward you much more than the money that you're getting from your job. That's the labor that we need to be. Are we the example at our work that Christ wants us to be? Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? Do we have our priorities straight? If not, we need to change some things. Because if they know you're a Christian and you're not Christ-like, then that's why we have that, that knowing of the hypocrites. Maybe when you invite people, that's why they don't want to come. Because we're not being Christ-like in everything that we do. Let's bow our heads. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, whether you're watching online or you're listening online or you're here today, it doesn't matter. 
Jesus died on the cross for your sins, your past, no matter what. We're going to be singing here in a minute, just as I am. And that's the way He died for you, just as you are. No matter what the ugly is, no matter what your past is, He loves you and sent His Son Jesus to die for you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to You this morning. We thank You that You sent Your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for each and every one of us. No matter where we are. No matter what we've done. You love us just as we are. And You say, come. And Lord, we're here today and we're asking You to forgive us of all of our sins. Take them all away, Lord, and come into our hearts. Come into our, our souls. Lord, fill us up with Your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank You and we praise You for all things. In Jesus' name.